Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1842. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Taylor, Texas, with a very special guest by the name of Jeff Snyder. Jeff, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yes, sir, I am. All right, we'll have a little bit of fun today. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we talk about the fun you and your team are having there at your restoration shop, what's one little thing that most people don't know about you, Jeff? Well, most people probably assume that I'm a uh, born and bred Texan, but I was actually born in Muncie, Indiana. Okay. And uh, when I was about eight or nine, my family shifted gears and moved to Texas. And my father, who was a administrator and a high school principal, became a uh, licensed funeral director following after my grandfather. Mm-hmm. So, and then when I was, um, after I graduated high school, I went to Mortuary College and became funeral director as well. So I'm actually a third generation funeral director. I'm going to mention that in your intro, but here's an interesting thing that you've probably thought of. Your family tradition is all about helping families and putting people to rest, I guess. Maybe that's a weird way to say it, but you know what I mean. No, very true. Help, yeah. yeah. Now you're in the business of resurrecting dead things. Kind of, sort of. That's correct. Right? So you've taken the opposite approach. Uh, I guess it's better than trying it with people. Then you'd be that scientist in Frankenstein, right? Which probably you don't right, want right. to be that guy. But uh, I think it's fascinating. And we're going to dive into why you took this different direction, a different path in your life. So let me give you a proper introduction Jeff Snyder is the founder of Jeff's Resurrections, where he and his team bring back to life, there's that pun, the world's finest cars. Located in Central Texas, he started his restoration business back in 1990, and their projects range across an extraordinarily diverse spectrum of classics, exotics, and antique vehicles. As a third-generation funeral director, as he mentioned, Jeff was set to follow in his grandfather and father's footsteps, but his passion for cars won over, and today he's one of the four of people who make a living doing what he really loves. Jeff's Resurrections is now one of the most respected restoration facilities in the United States with an award-winning roster of significant restorations. His mantra, invest in the future, resurrect the past. We'll be back in just a minute to talk with Jeff about his business, but first a word from our sponsors. So sit tight, keep the seatbelts on. We'll be right back. Summer's here, thank goodness, and that means long, hot days. Covercraft's UVS custom sunscreens are quality-made and are incredibly fast and easy to use. Your UVS sunscreen is custom-tailored for your vehicle, and the accordion design ensures easy storage. Not only do they protect your dash and interior for maximum protection while parking in the sun, sunscreens keep your vehicle's interior significantly cooler. They're durable and dependable for years of use. I have one for all my vehicles and I use them every time I park my car when I'm not going to put the cover on. You can choose from a variety of colors including the original, their Premier Series and Carhartt designs. Your sunscreen is manufactured with the quality and attention to detail that's been the standard for Covercraft since 1965. 
and they make really great gifts too. Get your summer deal today if you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21 at Covercraft.com. You'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off compliments of cars, yeah. Simply use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Get your own custom sunscreen today. Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework, I shopped around, and I found American Collectors Insurance. And that's who protects my Porsche Turbo. That's right, the one I call my Orange Crush. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings, not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 224 9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. All right, Jeff. So let's dive a little deeper into the corners, I like to say. And have you talk about this transition that you made in your career path. So let's go back to becoming a funeral director and what that looked like in your future. But something kept catching your eye, and that is old cars and bringing them back to life. So, Jeff, take the wheel. Yes. Yeah, so uh, ever since I was a kid, I think one of the first words out of my mouth was probably either Corvette or XKE. <laughs> and I was fascinated by automobiles. Cool. And being around the automobile a lot of Cadillacs and service type cars. Uh, and early on, one of my first jobs was cleaning up the funeral cars because ah, yeah. my grandfather and my father, it was all about the details in the funeral business. It was stressed from very, very early on, even before I put my first suit on. You know, you when you detail that car before this funeral, do you just remember that this is the last time this family is going to see their loved one. Right. And the last thing they want is to step out of the car and get their dress dirty because the door jam of the service car is mm. dirty. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, those kind of details were just burned into our brains from a very early age. Mm -hmm. So attention to the tail was very, very stressed, very, very highly in my family. Well, no doubt. And this is a, an interesting aspect that I wanted to ask you. Learning to be a funeral director and working in that environment and dealing with the sensitive nature of people's passings, is there any correlation to working with the automobiles and people's love for their and passion for their automobiles and dealing with emotions in that. And I know they're very two different things, and I don't mean to trivialize the important business of funeral directing, but is there some relationship there where there's some some tips and tricks? Obviously, the attention to detail is key. I mean, that's paramount. But what about in the personal aspect of dealing with people? Um, yeah, I think so. And in the attention to detail, I know a first time you ever deliver a car to a customer, a lot of times the first time a customer sees the restoration may be on the field at a Concours or at a car show. Wow. And all of a sudden, here's his car. 
and he's just totally overwhelmed. And so you have to try and make sure that you have all those details right. So the guy isn't embarrassed right? or you've, you know, you've gone over the way everything works. So when the judges show up and they're like, well, make this work and make that work and make that work, you know, you want to try and put your customer at ease and make sure that he feels comfortable with his car and that every detail is covered. So the last thing you want is your customer to be embarrassed. Oh, of course. So. Yeah, no doubt. When you were a funeral director, obviously you've had a passion for cars. You mentioned your first words were XKE or Corvette. What was that pivotal moment in your life when you said, you know what, there's something else I want to do in my career? I think it was early on. I was just one of those kids that liked everything mechanical. Uh, I had a bicycle shop and worked at a bicycle shop when I was 13. Mm -hmm. And it, it went out of business when I was probably 14. So from the time I was 14 until I graduated high school, I was the guy, the local guy that uh, was repairing all the bicycles in town. Oh, nice. When I moved away and went to college, my brother took it over. So, so we always had front pocket money working on bicycles. And then I, then I wanted, you know, always wanted a car. So at a very early age, I started looking at cars and bought my first car at six, you know, saved up all my bicycle repair money so I could buy my first car at 16. Wow. You just brought back a rush of a memory for me. Front pocket money. <laughs> you know, the last time I heard that term was my grandfather. Really? A farmer in Texas. And he came to, very rarely did he ever come to California to visit us. And I used to ask him why. And he said, well, Mark, the cows don't take a vacation. <laughs> I've got to be here no, to take, take care of them. But he, uh, man, you just, my brain just went flooding forward to a moment with him when he said, well, how much front pocket money do you have? Because I was right. looking in a window and said, boy, I'd like to have that. And I went, what? <laughs> front pocket? Oh, okay. Wow. What a memory you just brought back. That's fascinating. Yeah, thank you. Was there pressure from the family side for you? Because third generation, it's like, well, this is what Jeff's going to always do. I'm, I'm just assuming here that you would always stay in that business. Was, was there a challenge there for you? Yeah, the challenge is, was once I uh, went to mortuary school, there was an opportunity for my family to sell the family business. And the opportunity, you know, it was just too good of a deal to pass up. Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden, I was not able to work for my grandfather and father. I had to work because they sold out to a large corporation. Ah. And they uh, didn't, there was already too many family members working for this group of funeral homes. So because we had three. So they gave me the opportunity to work for any funeral home in the, in their whole organization. Mm -hmm. I, I did it for a few years, but I was still playing with cars on the side. And it just, um, knowing that I wasn't going to take on the family business, which I kind of thought I would from very early on, I, I just didn't want to work for a corporation my entire life. And, and I really enjoyed working on cars. You know, it paid for my college and I always had projects of my own. And, and then, you know, there was always somebody that, wanted to uh, have me work on their car for whatever reason it may be. And I would just, you know, it's it just like it was a natural progression. All right, well, I think I can make a living. And if I can't, I've still got a profession that I can fall back on and I can do until I retire and, you yeah, know, and yeah. beyond. Yeah, I have that landing pad in front of you just in case you needed it, uh, which is really, really wise. My dad used to tell me, have a trade you can fall back on if you have to. Absolutely. Yeah. For me, it was car detailing because I started my own business when I was quite young doing that and it paid for my college too. But let's talk about your business today. Uh, what's what's a favorite aspect for you of what you do in your business? Uh, I actually love the, the automotive archaeology part of it and the research 
and uh, the cross research. Sometimes, you know, just because you're working on an Auburn doesn't mean that you have to go or, or say a Corvette or a Roadrunner doesn't mean that you have to go to the Roadrunner guys to find parts or the Corvette guys to find parts because a lot of times there was, uh, they shared vendors, mm-hmm. even though they're, there's not an obvious link. Uh, British cars actually are, are a good example of that. A lot of them shared, you know, Smith's gauges or Lucas wiring or girling brakes. So there's, it, sometimes it's a matter of trying to find out, all right, who was the vendor when you can't find it through your obvious sources? And all the inspection marks, uh, when we get a car in, I, I love to restore a car that's never been restored because the car kind of tells you how to restore it. Because if you take <laughs> it apart very, very carefully and you clean everything very carefully as if an archaeologist that's you know, digging up a new site, you can find out how that car wants to be restored by paying attention to how you take it apart and you find the finishes and you find the inspection marks and you start looking at, okay, it uses all these kind of bolts. And then all of a sudden, well, this bolt doesn't look correct. So why is this bolt in this assembly? Is it because of where they got it? Or was it because somebody in the 50 years that this car has been uh, assembled from the original assembly, it was changed out. So finding all those little things, it's, it's fun. I like the archaeology aspect of it. As looking at your website, you guys work on just about everything. There's all sorts of vehicles. I mean, it's really fascinating to me. It must be a really fun part of what you do, being able to lay hands on all these different kinds of cars and learn about them as you're restoring them. It is. uh, Restoring so many different types of cars just keeps the whole thing very, very interesting. Um, And like I said, trying to run down all the bits and pieces uh, for more limited production cars is a challenge and it's a challenge I, I love because it uh, you meet lots of people in finding all these bits and pieces and you make lots of friends oh yeah and uh, you get to do world. a lot of traveling <laughs> right all, literally all over the world I mean there's been some times that we've been restoring a car that uh, there's not very many of and uh, you find out a guy in Timbuktu that has this you know part or has an in- an original interior out of um, for example, we the first Auburn boat tail we did, I made friends with a guy that has a lot of parts. Mm-hmm. And in one of our conversations, he I was asking him about some upholstery stuff because the details of the upholstery wasn't correct uh, because the car we were restoring had been restored previously, mm. not so well. Mm-hmm. So he basically were re-restoring a restoration, which can be a real challenge oh, because gosh. you're trying to sell everybody else's stuff that may or may have may have or may have not been done properly so in the conversation he's like well you know i have this interior that i took out of an original interior i took out of the car 40 years ago and it's just up in the attic wow and gold mine and uh, you're welcome to look at it if you want but i'm not going to send it to you so i call the owner of the restoration and say, hey, I just found this original upholstery. Is there any way, are you all right with me going to look at it? He goes, yeah, that's what you have to do. So, you know, a couple of days later, I'm on a plane. I fly out to the guy's place, spend the day with him. You know, we go to lunch and, and get to know each other really well. Take hundreds of pictures of this upholstery. And now I have it forever. You wow, know, that's it, cool. You know, I could even look at the back of the door cards and see the signature of the guy that, uh, that originally made those panels. Oh, my gosh. Which is, which is really cool. So that's. 
that's you know some of the fun stuff of being able to restore cars oh, and, yeah. and restore them back correctly. That's very cool. Is there a driving inspiration in your life? Somebody who was a mentor to you, helped you when you were starting in this, or maybe even somebody today, there might be a really influential person. I think my grand, both of my grandfathers were very, very handy and craftsmen in their own way. My one grandfather that was in the funeral business was, could make anything out of wood. And so I learned the wood aspects from that. And my other grandfather, my father's father, was in the sheet metal business. Oh, wow. He taught me everything from a very early age before we actually moved to Texas about sheet metal. So I think there, and there's times where I've come up with, you know, this challenge that we have in the shop of something that we just have to get, you know, we have to figure out. You can't buy it. You have to just fabricate it. it. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, so I wonder how my grandfather would have done that. <laughs> so. Yeah, unfortunately, they're long gone. Right. Yeah, Yeah, to channel my energies into my grandfather's. But I was fortunate that I spent enough time with them, and they and I was in my in my twenties before both of them passed away. So I got to spend lots of time with them and 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 learn how to do things, and sometimes learn how to not do things as well. So wow, fascinating. If you were going to advise young people to get into this career path, and we talked about this a little bit in our pre-show chat, how hard it is to find technicians moving forward who want to work in this industry. What are some key words of wisdom you might offer them to realize that this is a viable career path and it's a lot of fun? I would just try and find a restorer, a reputable restorer that would let you work in the summer. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and Saturdays, if they work on Saturdays and just kind of get your feet wet with it. We've had a number of apprentices and local kids that feel like they uh, might want to, you know, be in the automotive trade that uh, we accept for the weekends mm-hmm. and, uh, and summertime. That's nice. a good, good way to find out some guys. Uh, and a lot of people go to college thinking that this is what they're going to do. And in the end, they've got a degree in whatever they're they thought they were going to do. And at some point they totally changed careers, but they never had any previous experience in what they, what they did. Otherwise they may have chose a different career path. So it's always good to get your feet wet in what you want to, in what you think you want to do as a career. Oh, it's so important. I think it's really, really valuable. My son one summer worked, we live near the water here uh, at a boat shop. Uh, that may be kind of interesting. And, and he learned a whole lot. I mean, the, the first week they said, here, do this fiberglass. He goes, I've never fiberglassed anything before. And the old guy that owned the shop said, well, you better figure out how, kid. And it's like, well, how do I figure out how to do something I've never done? But he figured it out. You know, some of the other guys helped him out and so forth. But he realized at the end of the summer, I don't think boat building or working in the series, what I really want to do. So uh, imagine if he'd invested a lot more time, effort, maybe in education in it, and then realized like, oops, uh, that's maybe a little bit late. So I think it's a great idea. And I love it when shops bring in apprentices and, and young people to help them, even if it's just to sweep the floors and be around in the environment and see what happens in a shop like this. It's a really great thing. Let's take a short break. We come back. I want to talk a little bit about a challenge that you face. So sit tight and we'll be right back. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world 
the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. What began as a charitable car show has grown into the world's greatest collector car auctions, raising over $133 million for charitable organizations to date. For nearly 50 years, automotive enthusiasts from all over the world have enjoyed the Barrett-Jackson Collector Car Auctions, and I'm a huge fan. Regarded as the barometer of the collector car industry, their auctions are world-class lifestyle events, where thousands of the world's most sought-after unique and valuable automobiles cross the block in front of a global audience, in person, on TV, or streamed online. Barrett-Jackson produces the world's greatest collector car auctions in Scottsdale, Arizona, Palm Beach, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, and new for 2021, Houston, Texas. The excitement of Barrett-Jackson auctions is contagious, and a unique experience is not to be missed. And be sure to visit BarrettJackson.com today. Barrett-Jackson, the world's greatest collector car auctions. All right, Jeff, so let's talk a bit about a big challenge, big obstacle. You've been in business for a long time time but no doubt you've run up against a few things all people have all businesses have walk us through one bumpy road and tell us how that experience uh, helped you or taught you how to move forward in a positive way um i can't really say i have a huge significant challenge that uh you know that i've had but many on a daily basis many small challenges no kidding yeah with old cars holy cow with old cars so you know one of the challenges is trying to sort out why somebody made this modification or that modification and how do we put it back the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, just putting on the hat of the people that were working on that car in the 20s or 30s or 50s or 70s or in, in the country they were from. So you can do it in the same spirit that the car was originally built. Mm. Because the last thing you want to do is do a really beautiful restoration and it'd be totally wrong because that's not the process that they used in that country or that period of time. So trying to make it look period correct is, is a huge challenge sometimes. And, um, you know, some of the ugly welds and Corvettes, you know, trying to make a Corvette look like it was when it was in St. Louis, you know, with sloppy glue and no paint here and no paint there. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's a big challenge for us is because we've had cars at Pebble Beach and done well. We've had two Duntoff winning Corvettes and we're hopefully um, next month going to have our third Duntoff winning Corvette. Wow. So there's very few guys that can actually do both because it's a totally different mentality. The Pebble Beach guys want everything to be perfect and built as if the guys had every time, uh, every bit of time they needed to make the car perfect on every day of the assembly. And the paint's perfect, the assembly's perfect, all the screws are lined up perfect, you know, and that's the OCD part of it. <laughs> yeah. But then you got the Corvette guys. So 
the Corvette guys want to see the NCRS judging and the Dunt and the uh, Bloomington judging. They want to see the sloppy glue on the rubber. They want to see a little bit rougher paint and less dull Mm -hmm. or less shiny below the belt line. They want to see no paint on the bottom of the panels. They want to see runs in the paint sometime. And, wow. you know, all these all these little weird deals, you know, no paint on the bottom of the oil pan, but runs on the side of the oil pan. So to be oh able gosh. to know that, all right, this is what we're doing today, and this is what we're doing tomorrow, and this is the intention of this car, and this is the intention of this car. And to be able to walk that fine line and be able to change that sometimes can be a real challenge, especially if you're teaching uh, somebody that has not been with our crew for very long, sometimes I look at you like, well, yesterday you didn't want me to be make this perfect, and now you want me to make this perfect. Right, so right. They explain, all right, this is the intention of, this is where this car is going, and this is why we're doing it the way we're doing it. But it makes it fun. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of fun to try and trick the judges sometimes you know (laughs) no kidding yeah they don't want any paint on if it came from the factory with bare metal they don't want any kind of coating on there so trying to develop a coating to protect it so this restoration will last a generation without making it ugly and break out and rust you know so trying to develop all this stuff to where we can have the best of both worlds and we can you know, the judges are happy and we've made them accept what we've done, but the owner has got something that has a, has a restoration that's going to last a generation. Yeah. So those are, those are some big challenges. No kidding. You've done so many great cars in your shop. When I talk about bucket list items with guests, we talk about things they'd like to do in the future. Are there types of restorations or specific vehicles you'd love to restore that you haven't had the opportunity yet? Sure. Uh, I would like to start restoring some of the cars that I've picked up over the years. <laughs> uh, you like the cobbler, the cobbler's kids have no shoes. <laughs> absolutely. I would love to start finishing up some of my, some of my projects. Yeah. Um, but, but we've been really fortunate that I've been able to restore a lot of different kinds of cars and, uh, they just keep coming in. I mean, I guess the one car that I've never done that's kind of a crossover car that I would really love to restore would be a Cheetah. Ooh, there's a rare vehicle. Very rare, uh, but, you know, Corvette-powered, custom aluminum body, um, just super, super rare. But uh, there's just not very many of them around. Right. But that, that's probably one car that I would love to restore. Well, and the Cheetah is— not had the opportunity yet. Or race cars, and a lot of people are even still racing some of them. So to do a, a restoration at a super high level doesn't really make sense on a race car. Um, so there's a there's a challenge there too. And now some people do that with race cars, and then they actually go out and race them, or they become garage queens. But it's kind of a shame. But a cheetah, yeah, what a what a unique looking vehicle too. It's just they are very different. And I, very- and I, I I've never even sat in one, so I don't know at six three if I could even <laughs> you might have a challenge pure there. Desire. They're pretty tiny. Pure, yeah, pure desire to climb in and out of it. But I'm sure I could fit in. Yeah, you'll figure out a way. <laughs> no, no doubt. I like to ask my guests about a special vehicle in their life and a story about that. Is there a car like that for you? Now, this could be a car you've restored or one of these cars you want to restore or a car you've owned. Uh, probably my first car. What was that? It was actually a 76 Chevy C10 short wheelbase van. Okay. You know, it was a rusted out Pennsylvania vehicle, but I learned everything. I learned what to do and what not to do and what 
what holds up over time and what doesn't hold up over time. And I spent um, the tum- the summer of my 16th and 17th year and, and all my time that I had, uh, spare time, getting this thing kind of customized and, and redone. And, and then the summer before my senior year, I had it all. I thought I had it all ready. And I took it down to one of the local shops that had agreed to paint it. And it sat down there most of the summer and and they just rolled it in and they didn't even clean the mud off the bottom of the rocker when they, they sprayed it. And it, yeah, it was a horrible job. Oh. And yeah, I was just disappointed because I'd spend so much time getting it ready and I thought it was perfect and, and it wasn't quite so perfect, but they just made it worse. Yeah. Um, and yeah. at that point I thought, you know, if these guys are professionals and this is what this is like, I think I can do at least that good. Well, yeah. And at that point, I just started accumulated all the stuff that I could to to do paint work and and uh, do the rest of the aspects of it. And it just kind of you know the whole hobby you know my hobby just kind of grew from there. A teenager with a van is every man who has a daughter's worst nightmare. Yeah, there wasn't very many girls at Taylor that would go out with me. No, no, you're nothing but trouble. Uh, you know, there's so much surface area on that thing to put paint on. I remember my sister, when uh, she was young, we, we found a Volkswagen for her and took it to Earl Shive. I'll paint any car for twenty nine ninety five. <laughs> and yeah, they did the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, I think the paint job I got was maybe one step up from Earl Scheid. Yeah, well, I remember they painted right over a fly on the front, right in the middle of the front of that sweeping hood. And I was trying to, like, see if I could wet sand that out and fix that up for my sister. Because we took it it somewhat apart for them to try to make it a little bit better, uh, my friend and I. But, uh, yeah, metallic. Yeah, and they probably shot it in um, uncatalyzed acrylic enamel which takes decades to dry. So trying to sand a run out of that is nearly impossible. <laughs> it was, yeah, I think I made it worse than it was, but she, yeah. didn't, she didn't care. She had a car. So that was, that was fine. That was a good thing for her. But you as a detailer thought that that just drove you crazy. Oh, it, every time I walked by the car, I had to like shield my eyes. I like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't look at that. I even thought about how could I just have the hood redone, but I knew they'd never match the paint. So, and she didn't, she no. said, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. I'm going to crawl on your head a little bit here, Jeff. If you were manifest as a vehicle, what would you be and why? Oh, I think I'd either be a Corvette or an XKE. Well, there goes back to your roots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's try to narrow this down. Uh, What is it about a Corvette in your personality that you think kind of fits? Uh, I don't know. It's not really a personality thing because I they're they're swoopy and beautiful. I'm certainly not swoopy and beautiful. (laughs) Okay. We'll ignore those aspects. I'm not too macho and I'm not too you know full of horsepower, but uh, I just. I don't know. American I just made, like the maybe. way they look. American <laughs> made, for sure. Yeah. For sure, American made. And then we go to the XKE. But the XKE. Yeah, that's a little different. Yeah, same, the same kind of thing, though. I think I would – I think I like those two cars because it doesn't really matter who you are. You can see that they're both beautiful. They're just, they're just both beautiful cars. They're well-designed, mechanically and aesthetically pleasing. People could appreciate you as you walk by, even if you're not even saying anything. You don't have to. You don't there have you to go. say anything for people to appreciate. There you go. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, I like to ask my guests about giving back, helping others in the automotive sector. Uh, how do you guys do that in your shop? Do you bring interns in? Do you give young people opportunities to come in and experience this lifestyle, this career path? We do. Uh, this summer, I've got uh, a young kid, local kid. Uh, I've known his family for a long time, and 
in fact, when he was an infant, his mom would bring him over. They used to own a business very close to us. And if she had her kids at the office that day, they would come over and want to tour, you know, just, oh, we want to go over to Jeff's shop and tour the, you know, and see all the cars and look at the Matchbox collection and, you know, all that stuff. So, so now he's, um, he's of age because uh, he, even as a kid, he said, oh, when I get old enough, I want to come work for you in the summer. I'm like, yeah, sure. When you get to be old enough, absolutely. If your parents are good with it, I'm good with it. So this is his first year helping us out. Nice. And we've also had in, uh, apprentices from uh, McPherson come in and work for the summer. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that we do is a few years ago, we started uh, what we call the Taylor Main Street Car Show. And it's uh, this year, it's October 30th. Because my business is downtown in a hundred and, well, let's see, it's a hundred and five year old, uh, originally Dodge Brothers dealership. Cool. I'm part of the downtown community because I think that that history and that heritage is important. Yeah. And I want it to be in an old building. So we moved here in 99, but I think the whole revitalization of downtown America is very, very important. Yes. So a few years ago, a couple of us car guys decided, well, let's just put on a car show in Taylor and we'll have it downtown. We'll just block off the main streets and the side streets around it and we'll just promote promote downtown. So uh, this, I think, is our seventh year. Last year, we didn't have it for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, this is our seventh year and it just seems to get bigger and bigger and People come from all over Texas, and uh, a lot of my clients want to bring cars and help participate. So it's it's a great time, nice. and uh, we have five, I think five six hundred cars is what we've had Whoa, uh, years a, past. That's a lot of cars. Holy cow! It, it's a big event, and it's um it's becoming something that we start planning the next year, the day after the event. Wow! The local community has really embraced it, and. Um, they love it. You know, it's a, it's a great, it's a great weekend and a lot of people look forward to it. And on the calendar, it's, it's up there with the, uh, the Taylor rodeo as one of the most, uh, celebrated at local events. So we're really, really pleased to be part of that. It's all for charity. So we give away after we cover our expenses, we give every bit of our money away every year. We start fresh every year. Wow. So, um, it's, you know, it's a hundred percent give back to the community. Well, that's and we're fantastic. we're all volunteers. Uh, it's it's a great event, and I'm really pleased to be part of it. Well, that's awesome, and to uh, to be competing with a rodeo in rodeo in Texas uh, uh, is something. <laughs> Since they're pretty popular, yes, sir, for pretty, sure, pretty popular there. I we, think we've taken great. we've taken place of the tractor pull. Oh, that they used to have. <laughs> you, wow, wow! There you go. I've actually been to a couple of those. There's a college in California that a friend of mine's sister was going to, and we would go there and they'd have tractor pulls. I'd never seen such a thing. And I'm like, Whoa, that's crazy. That's crazy. So oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Pretty fun. Yeah, There's nothing like, uh, seeing this, this modified tractor with four Allison's or, or yeah. four, uh, <laughs> Rolls Royce Merlin's yanking this, uh, sled down the uh, rodeo arena. It's, it's pretty crazy. It is crazy. And you mentioned collection of matchbox cars, hot wheels. I, yesterday's guest here on cars. Yeah. was Bruce Pascal. Who's a very well-known collector of very rare hot wheels cars. In fact, he's got the most coveted hot wheels cars. The, um, it's a pink, uh, VW bus with surfboards in it that I think there's only two of them in the world. And he's got, Oh one. wow, yeah, he was wow. a guest yesterday. We had fun talking about, uh, hot wheels. He helped me. I pulled mine out and he let me know that a couple of them were worth a little bit of money. I'm like, really? You're kidding. That, so, that is neat. Yeah. Um, little off track, but yeah. not really. I was a big hot wheel fan as well. I mean, that was my first cars, Oh yeah. but, uh, 
I had the opportunity to participate in that concours and auction that they had in Saudi Arabia. Oh, wow. In November of 20, mm-hmm. ni- uh, November of 19. And I, the craziest thing, and I will actually send the video is not very good because I did it on my phone kind of at the last minute, but they set up a full size loop to loop at this, at this, uh, I've um, seen in Saudi Arabia of that. Yes. And there was, um, I don't remember what SUV Jaguar provided, but it was a Jaguar, um, SUV that they did the loop in. Yeah. It's the craziest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Anyone do with a car. I mean, the cojones that that guy had to have to do that the first time, let alone doing it like two or three times a night. Oh gosh. Yeah. It, it, was, it was the coolest thing. It's, um, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet. Well, I love it. Well, I asked my guests about books. Is there a, a book that you've read that you'd like to share you think was uh, really helpful to you in some way or fun? Yeah, actually, I just finished a book called uh, Jaguar from the Shop Floor, and it was written by Brian James Martin. He worked at Jaguar from 49 to 78, and it's just fun, full of fun little anecdotes of stuff they did and how things came about in the Jaguar cars and you know some of the fun stuff that they you know, were able to do and how things became what they were. Um, and I've shared it with a couple of friends and they've loved it too. Fascinating. Yeah. It's always fun to, you know, we're, we're working on the, we're restoring what they did originally. So it's always good to be able to put yourself in the mindset of those guys that were on the factory floor. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I, I love to talk to uh, guys that, you know, worked for GM or worked for Corvette or worked for Jaguar just to kind of see how they, uh, how some of these processes came about. Fascinating. I'll make sure I put a link to that on Jeff's show notes page. Regular listeners here know that you can go to Cars Yeah, and there's a great resource there called Guest Recommended Books. There's over 2,000 books listed there with quick, easy clicks to buy, I should say. We're going to take one more last little break here with my friends from TechForce Foundation. Since we're talking about restoration shops and finding helpful people, when we come back, we're going to go on the ultimate drive. So keep the seatbelt on. Here at Cars Yeah, it's all about inspiration. And our charity of choice, is TechForce Foundation, where it's all about making a positive difference in young people's lives. TechForce helps young adults discover their talents and passions for all things automotive, with a mission of helping students develop a career as a professional technician. TechForce awards nearly $2 million in scholarships every year for students to pursue technical education, and they support hands-on activities, events, and mentorships across the country, working to change the outdated perceptions of these careers. Autotechs are in high demand, but the supply of qualified technicians is critically short. They need your help to fuel their mission. Learn more and join me in supporting them at techforce.org. All right, Jeff, uh, we're going to go on the ultimate drive here. You get to pick the vehicle. You get to pick who you're with, who's driving, and maybe where are you going. So what does your ultimate drive look like today? Uh, I think my ultimate drive at this point uh, would probably be driving the uh, Adriatic Coast. Ooh, nice. Okay. With my wife, um, of course. Joanne, yeah. Joanne, yes. And uh, I don't know what we would take. I think what I would like to take is maybe we, we've got an XKE uh, that's not finished yet, but mm-hmm. one of these days it'll get re- finished restoration. Yeah. 
uh, ship that thing to Europe and uh, tool around the Adriatic coast in, in an XKE or a Corvette. Either one would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and I also own a 37 Harley Davidson, which that's not really a bike that uh, you want to do a two-person trip on. Uh, unless you sidecar it and there's no way I would get Joe on a sidecar. She would have to have her own motorcycle. (laughs) So, uh, that would be another trip I'd like to do. I've always wanted to do, uh, Sturgis or I I don't, I don't know if I'm a, that hardcore of a motorcyclist to, to drive or to ride it all the way up to Sturgis and back. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to do the Sturgis meet on my, uh, 37 Harley. That would be pretty cool. Well, what a drive that would be. I think I'd maybe you you get both cars and you swap cars uh, halfway through and then you jump from the XKE into the Corvette so you have a different kind of experience. But uh, that's a great idea. We could do that. There you go. That sounds like fun. Well, you've taken us on a really fun ride today, Jeff, and I'm so thankful that we got together. I want to thank your wife, Joanne, for introducing us. She's the one that made this happen. So thank you for doing that, Joe. Uh, Awesome. Before I let you go, are there any uh, final parting words of wisdom or maybe a mantra or a success quote you'd like to share with the listeners today? Yeah, I think our, our, um, what, we, what we say around the shop is we just want to strive for perfection in everything we want to do. Sounds like that Rolls-Royce quote. It does, yes. And, um, you know, I, we don't have problems in this shop. We have solutions ah. and we have issues. So uh, I, I think the word problem is one of those words that if somebody walks up to you and says, oh, well, we got a problem, it's like, all right. I'm giving up. I can't go any further with it, and I'm handing it off to you. So those that that word is my guys know. Don't come up to me and say, "Oh, we got a problem." Like I'm going to turn around and walk off. You know, (laughs) you come up with you come up to me and say, "Oh, we got this issue." I know that you've thought through it, and maybe you just need my uh, my input on it, and my uh, and we'll go from there. You know, and uh, and it works uh, because. We're at a point in restoration that, you know, we're, we have a 26 or a 23 Cadillac in here. Mm-hmm. Well, who am I going to call that, that I would consider a mentor that's been in the business longer than me that's going to know anything about a 23 Cadillac? They're, they're just not out there. So, yeah. so many situations we're in, we're it. There's, we have to figure it out ourselves. And I'm very fortunate that I've got a, a really good crew and we just figure it out. So... Years ago, I had a great mentor who taught me to remove the word problem from my vocabulary and substitute it with challenge. And yeah. I love the fact that now you've taught me to change that to solution. So uh, <laughs> I think it's a great way to think. And it's, it's very interesting when you remove words from your vocabulary and put in more empowering language, it just changes your whole mindset towards what is happening. And where you can take it. So I love that. It's fantastic. Uh, If uh, you listeners want to learn more about Jeff's business, you can go to his website, jeffsresurrections.com. I'll put a link to that on his show notes page. Uh, Do you play in the social media world where people can follow you as well? Uh, Yes, we have a Facebook and uh, that's about it. Cool. Don't really have time for all that stuff. (laughs) You're too busy making it happen for people. Well, again, listeners, you can find all these resources on Jeff's show notes page. Just go to carsyeah.com, type in Jeff Snyder, and you'll find it right there. Jeff, hey, thanks for spending a little bit of time with me today away from the cars. It's been my pleasure. Well, this has been fantastic. Until you and I talk again, my friend, or maybe I can come to the Taylor Main Street Car Show. I'll see you down the road.
That sounds good. And uh, we'll treat you to some uh, world-famous Texas barbecue as well. All right. Yeehaw. That sounds like fun. (laughs) I'm on my way. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Did you know that Cars Yeah! is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership, according to Libsyn, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States? That's right. And Cars Yeah! is the only five-day-a-week automotive-focused podcast for you to get your message into the ears of thousands of listeners daily from all over the world. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah! is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars Yeah! has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars Yeah! every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyeah.com or through the website at carsyeah.com today to learn more. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to carsyeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!